Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 12. Good morning. It is always a blessing to be here in this pulpit. I'm ex- exceptionally thankful for it. Unfortunately, my family was not able to make it with me today. I actually did not tell my daughters what church I was going to this morning because they would have been deeply disappointed that they weren't able to come. They love this church, and uh, we do as well. And so we're so grateful uh, that I was invited this morning to speak to you this message. And, and as I was considering what should I speak on, I was thinking, you know, I'd like to speak on a New Year's message, but maybe I'm too late. And then I discovered that you guys aren't even starting until February. So I think it works out quite well. So this morning we're looking in Hebrews chapter 12. Read with me. Uh, Look at it as I read chapter 12 of Hebrews, just the first two verses, and then we'll go to our Lord in prayer. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are grateful this morning to be able to gather together with other believers to worship your name. That is a gift from your hand. And as I look around at this crowd, I'm grateful for the work that you've done through your spirit in each life and the way that you're working through them in the lives of others around them. Grateful for this church, its beacon of light here in this community. I'm grateful this morning for the opportunity that I've been given to open your word, would you use it for the sake of these people? Would you open a heart to believe the gospel this morning? Would you turn a heart from sin and in repentance back towards your son? Would you encourage those whose knees are buckling under the weights that they are experiencing in this life today? Would you help us this morning to rejoice in your gifts? Lord, this is your word, and so I ask that you'd use it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the fated day happened when I was a junior in high school. I was invited by some friends to go to a cross-country meet. And I was going as a spectator. It was going to be a lot of fun. I was going to watch them run these races, all these sorts of things. Little did I know they had an ulterior motive. So I showed up. I'm sitting in the stands. It's at a a public university. They had rented the the track there. And little did I know how these cross-country meets worked. It so happens that you get a certain number of points based upon the people who are engaged, not necessarily the people who win. And so they were looking to win this race broadly, and so they determined that I needed to be a runner in one of these races. So they said, hey, Tim, I know you just came to to witness and to, to, to watch this, but why don't you run the 5K? Now, 
That was the first time I had heard the word 5K in my entire life. So I looked out, and I looked at the, the course, and I thought, well, five rounds wouldn't be too bad at all. <laughs> and so I foolishly volunteered. I said, all right, well, whatever, I can, I can do this. Now, it was a smaller meet, and so guys and girls ran at the same time, and so I get out there. Now, I don't have the right shoes on. I don't have the right equipment on. I have not prepared at all for this race. And so, of course, I took first place. No, not even close, all right? So I went out there. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> it really was. I can still remember it today. And I'm trying, like, you know, I, you know the first, like, couple rounds around, it's beautiful. Everything's going great. If you've ever run before, you, you, you know what's coming. This, you know, and I'm keeping up with everybody else, and I'm thinking, this is, this is nothing. And then all of a sudden, I found out that I had no endurance, and they did. And as I'm going around, I'm on the third lap, and now the ladies are passing me. One lady, a second lady, a third lady. I come to the realization that even if I was in the ladies, class, or ladies race, I wouldn't have placed. This is not good. And I just stumble over the finish and feel exhausted and horrible. Now, what that race taught me was two things. First, I do not like running, and I still don't. Uh, the sorts of people who look forward to Thanksgiving because of the turkey trot are as odd to me as the people who like black licorice. I mean, these, you know, these are the sorts of people I just don't understand in life. Uh, but, you know, I discovered I didn't like that, and I also discovered that if you're going to run a race, you should probably prepare, and that you should probably wear the right clothes, and uh, that you, in fact, if you're going to run, you've got to endure. And I had no endurance. Well, you know, we're looking in Hebrews chapter 12, and there's one command in this passage. It may look like there's more, but there's actually only one command that's given here, and it's this, run the race. Run the race, and then you'll notice the next, clip, the next phrase, run with perseverance. You know, it's interesting, a number of times in the New Testament, we get this analogy of the Christian life being a race. And every time we see this analogy used, it's combined with a concept, and that concept is endurance, difficulty, the fact that if we are going to run, it's going to cost something. Here the author of Hebrews tells us that we must run a race, and we must run it with endurance. You know, it's interesting in our world today, there are a lot of people who proclaim what they claim is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But their gospel is one of prosperity. Their gospel is one that if you would merely believe the gospel, then your marriage, which has been going poorly, will automatically transform and go well. Now, don't hear me wrong. I do think the infusion of Jesus and the Holy Spirit will help marriages. But God has never promised that if we believe in Christ, all good will follow. In fact, did you know that he promises the very opposite? I bet you can finish this phrase for me. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. They must endure. There's going to be difficulty. 
And over the last few years, certainly we've seen this. There have been those who have named the name of Christ, and simply because they've named the name of Christ, they've gone through great trials and difficulty. And I don't think that that's going to lighten up in the years to come. Here the author of Hebrews is writing to people who are being persecuted for their faith because they are believers. And they're being called or beckoned to come out of Christianity and to go into the broader society so that they would no longer experience difficulty in trial. And I imagine today there are some here who have named the name of Christ who are enduring great difficulty in trial. And the weight of it is heavy. And the author of Hebrews here tells us to run the race with endurance. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things about this race. First of all, let me try and paint the picture of what the author of Hebrews is trying to do in this passage. He pictures for us an auditorium, a, an athletic auditorium. If you were in ancient Rome, uh, this word picture would have been quite familiar to you. They would build these amphitheaters that were designed for the Greek games to be played on. And there were stands, and uh, so you can imagine <clears throat> with me, if you would, a stadium. I would say, imagine uh, the big house, but that would, that would cause great groans and, and sorrow for many of us. I would say the Lions Stadium, but it just gets worse from there. So let's just imagine a general stadium in which uh, you are walking into and you recognize as you walk in that there are individuals sitting in the stands. You'll notice that the, that the book of Hebrews chapter 12 begins with this word. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. The word therefore tips us off to the fact that this isn't the beginning of what he's talking about. In fact, this is, in my estimation, one of the worst divisions uh, that was ever produced in the New Testament. You realize that the chapter divisions are not authorially inspired. Uh, the author of Hebrews didn't write chapter 11, then chapter 12. Somebody along the way came along and made those divisions for us, which is kind of nice, because if he didn't, I'd say, hey, turn kind of to the back of the book of Hebrews and try and find these words somewhere. It would be really hard. So we're grateful they did it. But I think this was a bad place to, to split the text. Because what you'll notice is the end of Hebrews chapter 12 is actually the conclusion to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, you know Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the hall of faith. The author of Hebrews begins by defining faith, and then he begins to walk through people of faith who walked with God in the past, who've now died, have finished their race, and then he turns his attention to us. And he says, and so, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these ones who've come before us, let us run our race. So here we are in this amphitheater, in this stadium, and around us are individuals, and you look in the stands, and there you see Abraham, and there you see David, and there you see Samson, and you say, what's he doing here? I don't know. Uh, but you, you continue to look around. Samson's in the, the book of faith there. And you continue to look around, and you see these great people of faith. But then you look up <clears throat> in the very center Direct ahead stands a seat set apart from the rest. Sitting in this prominent seat is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and prominently displayed above his throne stands these words, 
the faithful one. On the left-hand side, you see the beginner of the race or the founder of the race. On the other side, you see the ender or the completer of the race. And you notice as you're looking around that this crowd is looking down at the stadium, at the race that's going along. You notice also that there are empty seats. And these empty seats are reserved for other people of faith that when they finish the race, they likewise can sit down. This is the word picture that the author of Hebrews portrays for us. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. But I want to note a few things about this race before we begin to think about what it means for us. First, this is not the sort of race that we are in competition with one another. Paul actually talks about this elsewhere where he says uh, that there's, there's a race and the, the winner wins all. This is not what the author of Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about a race of faith, a race of faith in which we are running together. The author of Hebrews talks quite a bit about the need for continuing in the race, but he also talks about the need for us as believers to encourage one another in our race, to take the one who's faltering by the arm and help them to continue in their race. This is a communal race. We're not competing with one another. We're helping one another finish the race of faith. The second thing I want us to notice about this race is that the race has, uh, the conclusion of this race, or what we're running for, is eternal life. Now, do not hear me wrong, because I think this can be easily confusing for us. One may think that what the author of Hebrews here is saying is that you must run in order to receive eternal life. But that actually gets things backwards. We run because we have received eternal life. And the author of Hebrews says it is those who run the race and continue until the end who are saved. Why is that? Well, because they endured, because they did it. No, it's because the Holy Spirit who's in them will never leave them. He will never forsake them. And it is the Spirit who's inside of us, who Paul tells us, makes us both to want and to do of his good pleasure. He's the one who motivates us to run the race and gives us energy to run the race. But Make no mistake, the author of Hebrews here is saying that this race is a race for eternity. And we're reminded that the Lord Jesus warns us that there are some who appear to have begun the race, but will not finish it. Do you remember his parable of the soils? And the first couple of soils are pretty easy. The first one... He doesn't receive the word at all. The soil's so hard that the seed cannot penetrate and the devil steals the seed and there's no fruit. This is the one we proclaim the gospel to. They don't listen. The second type of soil seems to receive the seed immediately. But the text tells us that there's no depth at all. And so there's, there's no continuity. This is the type of person who proclaims the name of Christ, but you literally never see them again. And you recognize that there was no true heart of, of repentance and faith. 
He gives a third type of soil, though, that is very difficult. He talks about the fact that there are some who appear to have received the seed. And there appears to be life that sprouts. But as Jesus talks about in another parable, he says, the wheat and the weeds that look like weeds grow up together. Jesus says, these people, when the sun comes out and the difficulty abounds, because they have no depth, and I think what Jesus is saying here is, because they received the seed but not by the Spirit, they accepted some external aspect of the Christian faith, but they were never truly repentant. The Spirit did not change them. Because of this, they walked away. As John says, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they were of us, they would have surely continued with us. And the author of Hebrews here is saying that we must run the race with endurance to finish it. And many, many warnings occur in the book of Hebrews that encourage us to continue our race. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier that I'm going to be speaking a message of New Year's. So, how do I fit that in? Well, here it is. Here we come upon 2022. And it's not started all that well, has it? (laughs) Uh, The sickness and all that, but here we are in 2022, a brand new year. And I don't know how long you've been a believer, how long you've been running this race with Christ, but perhaps it's been multiple years, maybe it's just been a short few years, but let's imagine that we've at least run the last year of of this race of faith with Christ. We're beginning a new year, a new opportunity. And we have an opportunity then to look at a race and ask the question, how can we run more efficiently this year? How can we run the race with endurance in such a way that when we come to the end of 2022, we can say, thank you, Lord, for a successful race this year? How do we do that? The author of Hebrews gives us a number of ways. The first way I'd like to say is this. How do we successfully run? We look back. We look back for ways to improve our run. And so this is looking back at 2021, 2020, and we look at ways in which our run could be improved. I have a friend who, whose life goal and ambition for numerous years was to make it into the Boston Marathon. If you're familiar with the Boston Marathon, there's only two ways to get into that marathon. You know, I, I ignorantly thought you just signed up for it and there you go, but actually you can't do that. <clears throat> you either have to have an incredible amount of money and somebody, somebody gives that money in order for you to get in. Or, and this is the way most people get in, you have to actually finish a marathon in a really fast pace. If you've done that, then you can sign up for the Boston Marathon to do it. And his life goal was to finish this Boston, or to, to run in the Boston Marathon. And so every year, he was inching closer and closer to this. And he would stop at the end of every year, take a look back at what he had done that previous year and say, what is it that I could do to make my run better this year so that I can get into that Boston Marathon? I think that's a good thing for us to consider in our Christian lives. Notice a few things that the author of Hebrews tells us here 
to consider concerning our past run. Notice again, verse 1 of chapter 12, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, you'll notice there's two things here, the sin that so easily entangles. Let me take that second one and then we'll come to the first. The first one I would say is this. Let's look back at 2021 and answer the question, what are the things in my past run of faith that have tripped me up? that have tripped me up. You'll notice that he calls this the sin that so easily entangles us, the sin that trips our feet, the things that get in the way so that as we're seeking to run our race, our foot stumble and we fall. Now, he calls this sin. And I think the author of Hebrews here is saying that there are certain things that tend to make Christians stumble. The fact is, those things may be different for you than they may be for me. And here's, I think, what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, look at your life. Look back at 2021 and ask yourself the question, where are the ways that I failed Christ in this last year? Where have I failed him? And then what can I do to remove those obstacles? You know, one of the things that my wife and I are presently doing at our house is we're remodeling our master bath. And I thought we could just close the door and, and, uh, and I would be able to work on it. But my wife informed me that we needed to move to the, uh, to the other bedroom, to the uh, guest bedroom in order for me to do this. And turns out she's wise. It always turns out that way. And so, so now I'm... I've got to move our mattress from the bed down here because we want our mattress up in the upstairs room. And so, of course, what do, what do I do? Well, I say, oh, we need to move the mattress. So I go and I pick up the mattress and I start walking. And you know what my wife says? Tim, stop. And then she walks along the path that I was about to walk and she moves all the things that I definitely would have tripped on. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if, if other people are like me who just get things done and then worry about the obstacles as we go along. Uh, my wife is wise and looks forward to what obstacles might be coming. And I think this is exactly what we ought to do, friends. The author of Hebrews tells us that there are certain things that trip us up, that entangle our feet. And there are certain things that maybe you're thinking of right now that you say, in my life, this is what that is. I know it. And here's my question for you. If that struggle was there in 2021, what are you doing to make sure that struggle isn't there in 2022? You know, the Lord Jesus <clears throat> tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, pluck it out. Offend simply means causes you to stumble. That's what the word means. Now, of course, he's not telling you to cut your hand off and pluck your eye out. Though in the history of the church, there have been unfortunate individuals who thought that's exactly what he was saying. Don't do that. But you know what that means? <clears throat> it means taking drastic measures to get rid of the sin in your life. 
Let me ask you, have you taken drastic measures to rid yourself of the things that you know trip you up? And if you haven't, why do we think that 2022 is going to go better than 2021? Let's prepare for the race that we have this year by looking at our lives. But you'll notice the second thing he mentions here, not merely that we should remove the things that trip us up, but you'll notice he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. Now, what does that mean? Well, uh, in the word picture, it likely means throw off the clothing. If you'll uh, recall the Greek games, the individuals would run, and they would run in the nude. They would throw off the clothes that would restrict them. Uh, you've often probably heard that uh, word picture of girding up the loins, right? So, because they would wear these long garments, and you can't run with the long garments on. Nobody's running the Boston Marathon with a skirt on, because it just doesn't work. It's going to impede your run. What's the word picture here mean for us then? Well, since he's already talked about the sin that easily entangles us, and he doesn't refer to this as sin, I get, the, I get the idea that the author of Hebrews here is not saying that these things are sin. I think instead he's saying this, that there are certain things that could potentially be in our lives that is not a sin for us. Nothing sinful about it. But they are impeding our Christian progress. You say, well, what might that be? I don't know in your life, but let me just say this. Is there something you had time to do every day when you found that you didn't have time to read God's Word? I'm not talking about eating or something like that, but I'm talking about things that are unnecessary to our lives. Was there something you always made time for, but you didn't have time to pray that day? You, didn't, you weren't able to make it to God's house and be with God's people because you had this other activity. Let me simply say, as we look at our eternal race and as we look at how we might improve that, we're looking not only to avoiding the sins that easily entangle us, but we're looking at our lives and evaluating, are there things that have crept in that are taking up all my time? that are impeding me from running the race in the way that I know God wants me to run it. And I would just simply say, if there's something the Lord's bringing to your mind right now, maybe that's it. Now, please do not hear me wrong. I am in no way saying you should cut out all of the joy in your life and that you should never watch television, you should never enjoy the things of this life. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that we tend, I tend, uh, to find things that I enjoy and overdo them. And sometimes I need to just take a look at my life and say, I need to step back. The Lord's working on my life right now in this area. And I trust that as I head into 2022, that I will be able to improve this and continue as the Lord desires me. So, how are we going to run the race successfully in 2022? First, we're going to look back. We're going to say, what easily entangled me? How, what can I do? What drastic measures might I need to take to get rid of those? Second, I'm taking an audit of my life, asking if, if I wasn't in God's word enough, if I wasn't in prayer enough, what kept me from it? What can I get rid of 
so that I can run this race more effectively? What can I cast off? So we look back. Second, we look around. We look around. What do we look around at? Well, we look around at the example of other runners. You remember that this passage begins with that word, therefore. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. And of course, he is talking about people like Abraham, people like David, these people of faith. And it is encouraging as I run my race that I can look back in the Old Testament and very frequently find the experience of God's people in the past and see how they handled things so that I might handle them. I love the book of, of, of uh, Psalms because no matter the temperament of my heart, I can find some passage that reflects that. I'm having the worst day of my life. David was having the worst day of his life, and I can read that psalm. I'm having the best day of my life. David was having the best day of his life, and I can read that psalm. I'm struggling in, in my thinking. I can turn to Psalm 73, turn to other passages. I'm in sorrow. God has given to us great opportunities with his scripture to think through how other saints have worked through this. But I want to draw your attention back in Hebrews chapter 11 to note this. <clears throat> he says in verse 32, And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson. And then he goes through a whole list of other people. Do you know what I think that that opens the door for us to consider? It opens the door for us to consider this, that the hall of faith is not closed. The hall of faith remains yet open. And there are people yet running this race who are sitting down in those prominent seats. And what do I mean by that? I mean that there are people in this congregation, I think, people around you right now, who we can look to, to see their walk of faith. Recently in our church, uh, there was a, <clears throat> a statement about uh, someone whose child uh, began to walk away from the faith. And I remember directly following that, that time period, uh, and, and this person had been a member of the church, and that's why it was being mentioned from the, from the church that they were no longer a member of the church. And I remember sitting and watching God's people come up to encourage that couple. And it was incredibly moving. Because here were people, some of whom had gone through the same experience or were going through the same experience, and they were coming alongside and encouraging those who were in the race, who were experiencing something new and didn't quite know how to, how to handle this hurdle, and they were helping them along. Oh, friends, what experience of sorrow and weight and trial are you going through? May I dare say in this congregation there's somebody who's going through the same thing or has gone through the same thing? God has given you the gift of other believers. And sometimes that simply takes the humility of us of admitting what's going on so that we can gain the assistance of others to help us run the race. We not only look back at how we've run, but we look beside us into the scriptures. We look at the example of God's people of faith 
who give us encouragement and strength to run the race ourselves. So we look back, we look around. Let me note a third thing, we look forward. We look forward to the one who finished faithfully. Would you notice in chapter 12, it says this in verse 2, Yes, we may look at those around us. We may look those, at those in the stands who finished. But he says this, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher or the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. We look to Jesus. Why do we look to Jesus? The author of Hebrews is the most explicit as to why Jesus took on human flesh. Jesus became man so that he could fully experience everything that we experience. So that he would be a high priest who knows our weaknesses. He knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to mourn, to be weak. He's endured that experience so that he might encourage us so that, as the Author of 1 Peter says that we might follow in his footsteps. He is an example for us. You know, as we look around, we look at these great people of faith, but every one of them has a mar, don't they? They're not perfect. They messed up. They stumbled. They fell down. They had to have others help them up. But there's one who never did. He never stumbled. He ran the race perfectly, and he calls us to look to him, look to Jesus. So here's the question, how did Jesus run his race? Runners will often watch videos of other people running. Kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? But you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to figure out how they run. What is it about their run that makes them successful? Let us look at Jesus. How does he run? What did he do? That's what the author of Hebrews tells us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the pioneer, the perfecter, that means he's the one who established the race. He's the one who finished the race. But then you'll notice this next line. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. You know, I don't know what experience of life that God has put in your race. I do know that nearly every time I talk to a believer, I find out that there are burdens and trials that they're going through that are deep and heavy. And there are obstacles that I know are in your path. The Lord Jesus Christ was born in a manger, knowing the obstacle that stood in his path. It was the cross. And I tell you, that cross looms larger than any other trial that mankind has ever faced. I don't mean to in any way belittle what you're going through, but it wasn't the cross. And it isn't the cross. As the Lord Jesus looked at that cross and considered what it means, you remember as he's in the garden and as he knows the time is coming, what is he doing? He's in his humanity. Praying, is there any other way? Great drops of blood 
forming on his forehead as he considers what is about to happen to him. How can Jesus run the race faithfully? I mean, you'll even remember, Satan, what does he, what does he try to tempt Jesus with? Hey, Jesus, I'll give you what the Father promised without the cross. I'll give you the kingdoms. I'll give you the throne. Why was that a temptation? Because the cross was that significant. How did Jesus endure the cross? Here's what the text tells us. He endured the cross by seeing the joy that lay behind it. By recognizing the joy that lay behind it. In reference to Jesus, that joy that lay behind the cross was the throne that, Jesus, that the Father had promised him. He knew that by going through the cross, he would receive the great promise of God. The Scriptures tell us that we have been given great and precious promises by God. Great and precious promises. We've been given the right of sonship, that when we die, we'll exit this life and enter into His glory. That He will reward us for the life we lived. Here's how the book of Hebrews puts it. Those who believe that God is, and that He is a rewarder of those who pursue Him. Do you believe that He is a rewarder of those who pursue Him? Do you believe there's glory that lies behind the hurdle that faces you? Here's how Jesus ran the race. He saw the cross, and here's what it says. He despised its shame. Do you know what that word actually means? It means that he considered the shame of the cross, or the experience of the cross, and then he considered the experience of the joy that lay behind, behind it, or, or, or through it. And he decided that he would not focus on this, but that he would focus on this. How are you going to make it through the trials of 2022 that you don't even know are coming? I mean, those are the worst, aren't they? I don't know what's going to happen this next year. I've got three daughters. And there's a bit of anxiousness all the time in my heart. I mean, a, a parent isn't supposed to see his kid go through whatever, you know? I mean, these are the sorts of things that I think in my heart. And I see other people going through trials and I think that could be me one day. I, what trial is going to come in my life? I don't know. But I will say this, that the promises of God are better. That whatever God calls me to endure, he'll give me the strength to endure. In part, because he's given me promises that are worth it. Friends, you're going through great trials, I don't know what they are. But remember that this life is but a vapor, it's a moment. This year, in two months, I'm turning 40. I know some of you are saying, how is this 25-year-old turning 40? But it's true. I'm turning 40. And I think about that, and I, and I think of the fact that I was 30 last year. You know, or at least I feel like it. It's fast, isn't it? And many, many trials have I worked through that seemed insurmountable at the time, but 
The Lord's gotten me through them, and I've gotten closer to the glory that's going to follow. And I recognize that though this path seems long, eternity is massively long. What is this life compared to eternity? You know, many of you invest, and you say, if I put away $100 today, then by the time I get to 65 or whatever the, the, the magic date might be, then that $100 will be $1,000. And you say, it's worth the sacrifice now for the good that will come later. And I think Jesus calls us to look at our life that way. That there's glory that follows this life. And that the trials that we experience increase that glory. So, what do we do? We look back to improve our run. We look around to the examples of saints around us. We look forward to Jesus and the reward of our labor. But let me mention the fourth thing. We look up. Remembering that God gave us the race we're in. Would you notice with me this small phrase that I think makes all the difference in this passage? He says, this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then notice this phrase. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. Who made the race? Who marked out the beginning point and end point of your race? You know, in some ways, we like to think that we are the master of our fates. But the scriptures tell us we, we kind of plan what might happen, but God directs our steps, doesn't he? How many of you would say your life is totally exactly like you planned? None of us, right? He thinks things are different than we anticipate. And in some ways, we say, man, I'm so glad, right? And in other ways, we say, I wouldn't have chose that. That wouldn't have been something I would have put in my life. Who put you in the race that you're in? You see, this is a passive verb. It means that somebody else did it. It's a divine passive. God put that race before you. And let me tell you, that is the most encouraging thing I can tell you this morning. Sometimes we can look at the trials in our lives and we see the hurdles that are in front of us in the race and we say, we can't do it. I can't do that. But here's the promise of God. No temptation has taken you, but that which is common to other people and with it, God will provide a way of escape. And I think that that indicates to us a broader pattern of life, and it's this. That if God has designated a path for you to run, he's also given you the strength to do it by his Holy Spirit. Could I draw your attention to Hebrews chapter 11? Because I want you to think about this for a moment. I think it's, it's deeply encouraging for us to think about the faith of people who've come before us. As I read Hebrews chapter 11, just the final verses of it, Listen for a transition that happens in this passage. I think you'll see it. What more shall I say, he says in verse 32. 
I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, flogging, chains, imprisonment, put to death, stoning, sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Did you see a transition in there somewhere? I bet you did. And it's a really odd one. There's no, there's no conjunction, there's no and yet others. It's just some conquered kingdoms. They quenched the, they, they quenched the fire, they, they routed foreign enemies, they, they, did all the, they received their dead back. Incredible experiences. And some were persecuted, lived in caves and holes in the ground, experienced destitution and trial and difficulty. Let me ask you a question. Which of these were faithful? All of them. And you say, all right, so why does David get to live over here mostly? Conquering kingdoms, living the golden age of Israel. And why is Isaiah over here? Whose literal call to ministry was, hey Isaiah, would you go preach to people who aren't going to listen to you? Oh, what an encouraging call. (laughs) So what's different between David and Isaiah? God set out a different path for them. And I think there may be somebody who needs to hear this this morning. Because you may be thinking in your life, I'm experiencing great difficulty, great trial. And you might be thinking, have I been unfaithful? Is that why? And God says, no. Isaiah was faithful. Jeremiah was faithful. But they lived with great difficulty. David was faithful, sometimes unfaithful. So why this path? Why that path? I can't answer those questions for you. Why is it that some might walk through this life and seem to just have everything right? And why is it so that some others walk in this life in sickness and all the trials that you can imagine come upon them? I don't know, but I would say this. All work, all to do is run the race that's appointed for us. So here's the question. Do you believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him? Do you believe that God will not waste your suffering? If you believe that, then we can enter 2022 with confidence. Not because we know what's coming. I have no clue what's coming. 
but because I know the one who's forged the path for me. I know the one who's made this path, and I know the one who lives in me, giving me the desire to run and the ability to do so. So as we enter 2022, how are we going to run successfully? Let me just mention these things and and we'll be done. We look back. We ask the question, what tripped us up? How can I improve? How can I throw off extra weight that has kept me from running as I ought? We look around at the people of faith around us, encouraging one another and being encouraged by them, looking at the examples of faith of Scripture. We look at Jesus And we mimic his run by looking past the trials and difficulties we have to the glory that God has promised us afterwards. We finally look up at the God who is faithful, who put the race before us, and who will be faithful throughout the race to make sure we come to its completion. Father, I am so thankful this morning that you have not left us alone. You will never leave us or forsake us. Instead, you have given to us your Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin and of righteousness. And this morning, Father, I don't know the state of the hearts of those who sit before me. Perhaps, Lord, there's someone here who does not yet know Christ and you have determined that their path would lead them here this morning so that they would hear the word, believe in your Son, and be saved. Oh, Father, if that's someone here today, I pray that they would come and see me after the service. Perhaps, Father, there's someone here whose knees are buckling under the weights of life and the trials and the difficulties. They see the things that lay before them and they just don't know how they're going to run the race. Encourage their hearts that you are a faithful God. Father, help each of us to be able to look back at the end of 2022 and be thankful that this morning we heard the word and that you helped us to be faithful so that we would be better runners this year. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand for our closing song. Mm